tonight uh, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We looked a little bit at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 Sunday night, I think. We talked about Solomon a little bit, or maybe it was Sunday morning. Um, But uh, I think... At the time when Solomon was writing the book of Ecclesiastes, he was... He was depressed. He was down. He had um, spent his life chasing wisdom, and uh, it had really gained him nothing. He uh, had chosen to erect altars to idols in the temple and worship false gods, uh, and the wisest man in the world became a fool, and... um, God was was very angry with him, and uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter one, you know, his first words are uh, "Vanity of vanities," saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Um, it's empty. It's not worth anything. It's it's worthless. Uh, speaking of his whole life, and I think Ecclesiastes chapter two uh, really explains or shows us how Solomon got to this point. So I want to take a brief look at it tonight, and uh, hopefully we can learn something from it. If nothing else, we can find a way to uh, not go down the path of Solomon. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. Verse number four, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water where therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great, and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this is my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hand had wrought, And on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon uh, is, would seem, pretty down on himself here. He he is saying what most, uh, most people who are actually about ready to commit suicide would say, that their life is worthless. They've, They've done nothing with their life. And... I think it really starts in the first five words of chapter 2. He says, I said in mine heart. And then in in verse number 
3. I sought in mine heart, yet acquainting mine heart. He keeps saying, mine, mine, mine. Solomon is seeking uh, to fulfill his life, or to fill his life with joy from all the wrong places. He's looking at entertainment. He's looking at pleasure. He's looking at possessions, at education, at all these other things. And while most of these things are, are good and even encouraged by God in moderation, uh, when they are your sole focus, they are very bad for you. Uh, he is focused on the heart as the seat of his mental health, and this couldn't be farther from the truth. Our soul is where true joy lies, and it's only our quickened soul, our saved soul, that can find the true joy of the Lord. But the world would tell us, as Jiminy Crickets would say, follow your heart. Um, this, is, this is evil. It's wicked. Uh, the world wants you to use your heart to guide you, and this has gotten more God-fearing Christians in trouble than any other situation. The Bible tells us some very interesting things about our heart. In Jeremiah 17 and verse number, verses number 9 and 10, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Genesis 6, just before the flood, Just before God is telling Noah to build the ark, in Genesis 6, verses 1 through 5, says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then Genesis 8, after the flood, Noah has built the ark. He has now uh, been allowed out of the ark, and he has uh, made an offering unto God. Genesis 8 and verse number 21, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every th living thing, everything living as I have done. This is, this is the thing that the world tells us to follow is our heart. And this is what Solomon is, is talking about. He, he's focused on his heart. Something that is desperately wicked. No wonder that he's depressed and falling apart. But then continuing it on in chapter number 2, starting in verse number 4. We see, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith, 
the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possession of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that all that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And it, it continues on and on. Solomon, in these verses, it's all about him. It's all about me. Solomon spent the last part of his life thinking only of himself. In seven verses here, he uses the word me 11 times. All of the achievements listed in verses 4 through 10 were accomplished for him. He focused on the internal. He focused on his self, on the self. And these are false accolades. Solomon is almost patting himself on the back as he lists off these things, all the things that he's accomplished. He's forgotten that it is God who gave him the wisdom and ability to accomplish any of them. Without God, nothing is possible. Matthew 19, uh, Matthew 19 and verse number 24 Matthew 19 and verse number 24 says, And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then in Mark 10, we see uh, the story repeated. Mark 10 and verse number 25 said, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. It's only through God that anything is accomplished in this world. It's only because he allows it that it happens. Yet Solomon is focused so much on just himself. Solomon is not only taking credit for something that he could not have done without God, but he is claiming the benefit from all of it. He didn't do any of the things God listed for God. He did them all for himself in spite of God. That's a very, very dangerous place to be. And then continuing on, in verse number 10, we see that Solomon had no self-control. It says, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Last Sunday, we looked at the fact that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And the fact that, that they turned his heart away from God. He couldn't control himself when it came to uh, his pleasures. He couldn't control himself when it came to his, his thirst for wisdom. Wisdom, by the way, that he sought God for in order to 
he asked God for wisdom in order to rule God's people. And that's why God granted it to him. But it became, it became an obsession. It became uh, an idol. That wisdom became a god to him. And unfortunately, Solomon, Solomon failed. Solomon, who is the wisest man to have ever lived, is also the biggest fool. With all his wisdom, he didn't understand where it was to be used. It's interesting that most of the smartest people in the world today have the least to offer. They spend years searching for knowledge only to miss the, basic, the most basic and infallible principles. Solomon asked for wisdom to lead Israel and God granted it to him. He then continued to seek knowledge and forgot what true wisdom is. Wisdom is knowledge that affects change, pushing us to serve God. Wisdom is learning and living what God wants for us. And this misguided attempt to gain knowledge led to his loss of godly joy. True godly joy only comes from serving. Serving Jesus and serving others. And if there's anything left... Serving yourself. Joy is an acronym. He uses the word joy over and over again in chapter 2. Um, but he's using it... He's not looking at the correct joy. He's looking at the worldly joy. And we as Christians, we need to understand... Times are tough. And even right now, as tired as I am, as sore as I am, I'm content. Because I know that all of this is because this is what God wants from me. I'm going to get up tomorrow, I'm going to go to bed tonight and hopefully sleep really well. And I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish the car that I started tonight that I just couldn't get done, that frustrated me knowing that I'm going to put somebody back on the road that really needs to be able to get around. And, and knowing that I'm serving my Lord and serving the people in, in Marshalltown. I'm going to... The jobs that I do here, we, I went Tuesday night and, and... Was it Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday night and worked on a, a roof uh, for a lady, um, distant relative. And... Uh, you know, came straight home from Marshalltown, gathered some stuff, jumped in the truck and left and, and went and did that real quick, fixed it. And was exhausted and tired. But knowing that that now she doesn't have a wet basement, that the roof is fixed and she doesn't have to worry about her roof leaking anymore. And, and it's a blessing being able to help those here in the community that need that need help and being able to point to God as as long and as frustrating as it was Sunday night talking to to Fred and and going round and round the same things over and over again and not getting anywhere he needed that it wasn't by chance that he stopped here it wasn't by chance that Bob had the car here it, it, it's God had that planned and that might be the only conversation that he has for the rest of his life with a godly person, but hopefully it makes an impact. 
if I start focusing on how tired I was and how much I wanted to come in and eat and all of those things, I'm going to get frustrated. And I'm going to end up right here where Solomon is. We can't, as Christians, focus on ourselves. We have to focus on God and focus on the world that he wants us to serve and that he wants us to witness to. So, we know this is, this is not easy. Starting this church is going to be hard. And it's going to be discouraging. And it's going to be frustrating. And we're going to feel like we're spinning our wheels. But as long as we are doing exactly what we know God wants us to do, then we have nothing to despair. We just need to be content serving and knowing that God has a plan. And this is part of the plan. So, we haven't had much for storms yet. But we will. With more people come more trouble. More exposure brings more trouble. So, uh, just understand that these are the easy times. But, we have to focus on God and focus on serving Him and serving this community. And if we can do that, we will maintain our joy and we won't end up depressed and down like Solomon.